So we have, we have our co-host with the most, Juan the Don Ortiz. Thank you for having me back, folks. It's the um, one. And not just the co-host, we have our main host, Nate the Grape. We have myself, Juan, and we have somebody amazing joining with us, Jamie. Thank you for being here. You're welcome. Long-time listener, first-time caller. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Folks, so Jamie, um, Jamie's been with Triple B Adventures for a while. Um, she recently took on a leadership position as our uh, volunteer and ambassador coordinator, and she got to flex those muscles recently, too, at the Silkies hike. Um, so we're here to have a little interview with her, get to know a little bit more about her, her time in the service, what she did when she was outdoors, if she went outdoors. Uh, yes. Maybe another shot of Jameson halfway through. Hey. Okay. <laughs> I'm not going to say no to that. We all know how much I love my Jameson. <laughs> so, so Jamie, first of all, go ahead and introduce yourself. Uh, let them know what branch of service, where you grew up. Uh, Jamie. Uh, I grew up here in Southern California, East County. Um, East County girl. I East like County. It. Yeah, East County. Got a, I'm a little close to home right now. Okay. A little close. Maybe a little too close to home right now, but, you know, it's good. It's <laughs> all good. Nothing wrong with that. Nope. Uh, I joined the Coast Guard, so I spent four years in. Um not because, well, I, the military me, and we can discuss that later too, is when I decided to get into the military, but I always laughed and said that my mouth and the military didn't get along. So Ooh. somebody suggested I join the Coast Guard, and I looked into that and said, hey, I could do that. I could do that. <laughs> I like that. Now, now they said your mouth and the military get along. Were you like a, a troublesome kid okay, in high please. school, or what did you do in a... You guys know me. So anyway, I might be a little sassy. Okay. I might talk back a little bit. I might push back on authority a lot. And I know how the military was, so I didn't think, uh, I'm not one of those ones that says, oh, I would have joined, but I would have decked the, the drill sergeant. That's not me. No. <laughs> but I, uh, I just didn't think it was for me. And, okay. then, and then when it ended up happening, and I went down to talk to some people about it, went to the Army recruiter first, not because I was interested, because a girlfriend of mine was interested in the Army, and listened to what they had to say. A guy that I was friends with at the time, uh, he was the son of a firefighter that worked with my dad. He was Coast Guard Reserve, and he suggested that I go talk to the Coast Guard. And I'm like, what's the Coast Guard do? And even being here in Southern California growing up with my dad in uh, the industry and everything else, I was kind of a little clueless other than, you know, rescues and whatnot. And I went down and talked to the recruiter and got some information, and I said, okay, I like that. That, that could work. That could definitely work. So, so was, anybody else, was anybody in your family in, in the military? Not in my immediate family. My dad, like I said, was the firefighter. Uh, no brothers or sisters joined or anything like that. My dad's dad was a Marine. He served uh, in World War II in the South Pacific, in the Pacific Theater. Okay. Fought on Saipan. My uncle, his brother, was, my dad's brother was Air Force Reserve, I believe. And my grandfather's brother-in-law, so my great-uncle Mike, was in the Army. On my mom's side of the family, 
I know her dad was in the National Guard, and we had another one, someone else in the family was in. I just don't remember what they did. That was a, uh, like a great uncle or a great grandfather type thing. Now so. you said you you went to the recruiting office because a, a friend of yours was yeah. going, but you yes. kind of didn't have the interest. So uh, what did not. what did the the Coast Guard recruiter say that's that kind of piqued your interest and said, "Hey, I I could do this." What I wasn't going to have to go to war. Okay, okay, <laughs> they mentioned that. What else? What else? That wasn't normally what the Coast Guard did. Um, he showed me all the different missions they had at the time, which may, maybe are a little differently structured than they are now. Mm-hmm. But I was very interested in the pollution um, aspect of it, pollution okay. prevention and pollution response. I'm I'm act, I'm learning right now. What, yeah. Tell me what what do you mean missions? Like what does the Coast Guard do on on the regular? I guess. Well, missions or rates missions they call that missions. They have that on the websites and whatnot. Um, but you guys had MOSs, correct? Mm-hmm. That's what you guys called your stuff. We had rates, like the like the Navy. I think have rates. Okay. And different jobs. So, different missions of the Coast Guard. I don't know them all anymore. But there's maritime safety. So that's you know the guys that are patrolling the marinas and whatnot like that to make sure you know nobody's out there. Uh, breaking laws or going into safety zones and that kind of stuff, drinking, boating, that kind of thing. And they do that on all navigable waterways. The Coast Guard is in charge of all navigable waterways of the U.S. So the rivers, certain lakes like Lake Havasu, we have uh, a unit on. Uh, Lake Tahoe even we have a unit on. Great Lakes, that kind of stuff. They do ice breaking on the Great Lakes and in the Arctic. Uh, St. Lawrence River and that, even on the Hudson River. And, is uh, that another rate to itself, ice That's breaking? a whole other thing, ice breaking. That's pretty yep. cool. Obviously, they have search and rescue. Everybody knows about search and right. rescue. They have drug running, drug interdiction. So that's a pretty uh, uh, publicized one. People know about that one. Um, the they the have image the, of that guy jumping on the submarine. Yeah, yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I was so in love with that video. I posted that thing all over the place. <laughs> like, see, we do stuff. Yeah. <laughs> but um, they do... Uh, uh, AIDS navigation. So back in the day, when they first, the, we used to have the lighthouse service, the international cutter service, and then they had this uh, rescue service. And they actually ended up combining everything um, back in, don't, that's been a long time since back I've looked at my little blue book, but yeah. you know, <laughs> supposedly what, I don't remember. Okay, you can, I'm gonna have nah, to look it up later. Now I'm like, now I'm Nick Jones and on that date. But no, um, no, you're good. Um, so the A's of navigation is all the lighthouses that we still control, which is a, a decent amount. They have all the buoys and everything, whether it's uh, in all the, the rivers and the lakes and, you know, anything, all the channel markers and everything out here. So they do all that. And then, uh, and then they have the pollution side of it also. So we respond to oil spills, oil sheens, hazmat spills. I was stationed up in the Port of L.A. It's one of the busiest ports we have. Um, uh, uh, Probably one of the busiest in the world. I don't know about that, actually, but I, I think it's one of the busiest, or is the busiest in in uh, the continental U.S. And then, um, uh, so we, they report on all kinds of stuff. I know that every time I had duty with my friend Randy, um, even when everybody saw it on the on the schedule and stuff, we they just knew we always, 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 always got an overnight hazmat case mm. on one of the facilities. So that was kind of fun, or, you know, you're just chasing oil scenes, sunken boats that kind of thing, freighter ships. But you guys have heard of the bigger spills also, obviously yeah. like the Exxon Valdez and there was that one back, I think in the eighties, um, maybe the eighties, that was before my time, just off of Huntington Beach, they had a big one. And uh, when I was in, there was one up off of Guadalupe in uh, central California and they had some issues with uh, leaching onto the beach from some of the facilities up there and all that kind of stuff. So Damn. we go and we supervise all of that stuff. If they can't figure out who did that or who, um, you know, release the oil or had the spill or who's responsible for it, they can open up the Superfund. And then the Coast Guard supervises that as the FOS on scene. FOS. 
No, FOSC. Yeah. I think that's what it's called still. I think that that in and of itself was like yeah. quite the caption. I honestly, for me, I always thought the Coast Guard was just. <laughs> and I think there's uh, more. There's the more borders. little ones. I just I just don't know. You know. Yeah. No, no, but that's yeah. pretty good. Over. I mean, for anybody else yeah. wanting to go into the Coast Guard, it's yeah. definitely you just opened my eyes. Yeah. Like I said, it's more than yeah. just protecting the border. Yeah, and we used to be way back when, before my time, it was um, Department of the Treasury, I think, which is a really weird thing to have that under, but maybe it had to do oh. with the pirates way back then. I have no idea because that's, <laughs> you know, the International Revenue Cutter Service was created to fight the pirates back in the day. Oh, wow. And um, I really hope I'm not messing up on this history because I'm going to eat my foot later. <laughs> no, <laughs> but, no, 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 you're good, you're good. We can make corrections. <laughs> but, but, um... And then, uh, and then it fell under the Department of Transportation for whatever reason. And then after 9-11, they created Department of Homeland Security. So and that's where it all that. Yeah. yeah. Right on. Yep. Uh, did you have a fun time when you were in? Or? I had fun. Yes, I did. Uh, unfortunately, right out of boot camp, which I actually liked. I actually recruited quite a lot of people on my little permissive orders when I came out of boot camp and okay. stayed for 10 days. Okay. <laughs> wow, just, you actually I don't know if it's a record. the first but... person that I've heard that's actually gotten people from that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, um, I took some permissive orders because I was only getting stationed in L.A. and then living here and stuff. And, I, you know, I'm like, hey, you know, this is available to us. We could do this. And they're like, yeah, totally do this. And I actually got several people to sign up because boot camp was – it's not easy. It's not as – physical i would think as some of the other ones i don't i think it's more physical now when i was in you know we, we had to pass our physical tests and stuff like that but it wasn't uh we weren't doing like crazy obstacle courses or this or that everything else um but i actually had uh it was kind of fun it was stressful but it was fun did you get a, a rate kickback or i guess that like you said i a, had a guaranteed location because okay. i had a few years of college in me uh before when i signed up and uh they they could not guarantee the school that i wanted because it was so backed up, so mm-hmm. they guaranteed me a, a region, and I had the Pacific region. That I but with those to. people that you brought in, did you get a, a, a I don't kickback know. I got that, nothing or? from that. Nope, I got okay. absolutely nothing. I did get a good friend from that for a while, though, while I was oh, in, because nice. he got stationed in San Diego. How he got lucky enough to get stationed in his hometown, I don't know. <laughs> but we used to see each other all the time. So, you know, I got a friend out of it. That's right. good enough, yeah. Um, and what what made you want to get out of the Coast Guard? Because it sounds like you didn't have a bad time. Uh, well, okay, so I out of boot camp, uh, I got stationed at a district office, which is not, not operational. We were, at the time, it's completely restructured now, but we had um, area, PAC area, so Pacific area and Atlantic area, and then they had the districts. The districts are still there. They just don't have their district headquarters anymore. And at the time, this was D11, District 11. The headquarters for D11 was in Long Beach, California. Excuse me. And uh, I got stationed there. And there was one person missing from the office, so my direct supervisor was a civilian. And it was very weird. And I was working in an office. I am not an office girl. I have never been an office girl. So to, to do that and, you know have to deal with that all the time it wasn't my thing and eventually I had met just enough people after some you know about a year and a half and they found out that I wanted to be an MST which is the marine science technician science technician that does all the pollution stuff um, they were able to transfer me down to the marine safety office which was still under their um, under the group at the time they call them sectors now and so it was just an easy you know very very easy transfer to get me down there so I spent the rest of my time down there and I did like it down there because I worked I got very very lucky um I was an extra non-rate so you know grunt all the divisions and the departments were fighting over me you know came in it was an extra person like hey you know we have another peon to do all the shit work you know and uh am I allowed to cuss on this yeah yeah absolutely (laughs) so 
when they were, I guess, all in this meeting, this one guy was in there. Was like, wait a minute, wait a minute, who is this? Let me, let me, uh, let me see her file. So he's like, okay, yeah, she's gonna be in my division. And I was, and somebody told me the story later. I'm like, what? <laughs> who is this? I was like, I don't know. He wants to talk to. He's in the office, and it was a lieutenant, but it was a guy that I actually went to high school with and was engaged to a very good friend of mine at the time and i'd known this guy for many many years and he's like i saw your file and i was like you're going to be with us you're working down here with us and because i wanted to be an mst and had him as for my connection they decided instead of making me do all the stuff that a non-rate would normally do like all the paperwork and this and that um i actually got to train alongside the petty officers i don't know how it is in the other branches um in the Coast Guard, there are strikeable rates where you can learn on the job and then sign up all your practical factors and get all your stuff done, and you can actually be rated that way instead of going to a, um, an A school. Wow, this was cool. definitely not one of those rates. Sounds you had like to, Coast you were supposed to go. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you had to go to this A school, but because um, I was going to spend some time there waiting anyway, they decided to you know let me get a little little jump ahead basically and I was able to train alongside everybody and learn everything I needed to learn I took a board passed a board so I was able to do everything the petty officers did except sign the captain of the port papers and I had to go um uh obviously I had to go out with somebody else we never went by ourselves anyway we were always in pairs or more but um but that was that was good I ended up meeting a guy when I was in and knew that I was not going to make a career out of this because I I had my my goal of just you know getting through school and then putting my time in and uh, since I had met this guy and he was in the same exact rate I don't, I don't know how you guys remember all this stuff or if you do it is very hard to get stationed with people yeah. um, you know to be uh, co-military and be stationed together or nearby yeah. it's almost impossible to do that when you're at the same MOS or same rate unless so, you're married no no even married because you can't work under the same command correct and uh, chain of command so I decided like well I'm not, I'm not tied to this at all. So when we got way more serious and stuff, I decided to forego school because it was, I had like six months left. I would have had to sign up for more years. You have to commit to two years after your training school. And uh, I just decided now I'm getting out. We ended up getting married. He was still active duty. He spent 28 years in before he retired. And uh, so I got to, you know, live that other side of that, that life. Yeah. Yeah. Which is interesting, but that's why I got out. I, uh, you, you mentioned earlier a term, and it just popped in my qu- mm-hmm. uh, question in my head. Uh, Captain of the Port, how much of the Coast Guard is based off of the Navy, or how much was it kind of like its own branch in conception? Um, that I'm actually not really sure. Okay. Why, does the Navy have Captain of the Port stuff too? No, no, I was oh. just curious because uh, I was wondering if the terminology kind of like came from the Navy. So kind of like how the Marines Department of the Navy, obviously, I didn't right. know if the Coast Guard started with something or if it was its own uh, unit that was created from scratch, kind of. Um, well, I, I know, know that's a pretty, like, out I know. question, but... Oh, I'm trying to remember back at the history, but like I said, I'm old and that was a long time ago. Um, uh, we have all the same ranks, same okay. names and everything that the Navy does, as opposed to, like, the... Um, Air okay, Force so, so there is some similarity yeah. then, I guess. You know, like we have warrant officers, we have, you know, the captain, lieutenant commanders, all that kind of stuff, as opposed to sergeant majors and whatnots. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. But the captain of the port is the person, is the highest ranking official, the highest ranking Coast Guard person, and now they're at sectors. Um, they're called sectors. Uh, that's just the, that's just the guy that's actually in charge of all of that. Okay. So it's, he's the official person, So we, you know, and we're their representatives. So when we sign those papers, like uh, freight ships would come in. That was one of the jobs. As po- um, response was one. 
you'd respond to oil spills and hazmat spills and whatnot, but prevention was a huge side of it where every freight ship has to be inspected um, every so often. Um, so when they are coming in and they'd either be out at Anchorage or actually uh, by a pier, you know, at a dock at a facility somewhere, we would have all of that information ahead of time and know to schedule. Like, yes, this one needs to be inspected, this one needs to be inspected, that kind of thing. Same with the facilities. And we would go out and on the freight ships, you, you inspect all their oily water separator equipment and pollution prevention um, stuff. So like their sewage, their, like I said, the oily water separator, there's a bunch of different things like that down in the engine room and all of their navigation equipment and charts to make sure they were up to date on any safety zones in the port and that kind of thing. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Fun stuff. Yeah. Actually, I I liked it. I thought maybe I would do that for a while, especially with my dad's connection. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, Maybe, you know, try to get on with the San Diego County Hazmat team and everything else. But then, you know, I decided to get married (laughs) to an active duty guy and I wasn't going to stay in one place. So that that didn't pan out. (laughs) And you you mentioned that you you had contemplated going to school, but then you kind of stopped because you you were... Well, I had you was wanted in... to get serious with this guy, or, or where was? Oh yeah, yeah. Well, there, I there was other other things, uh, other reasons why I got out. We don't need to talk about those today. Um, Baby bumps. But uh, no, not even close. <laughs> I was a good girl. Well, yeah, let's not talk about that either. <laughs> so, <laughs> no. But um, I knew once the school came up, I just I w- didn't want to commit to another two years okay. because I was so close. The school was um, three months. I only had about six months left anyway, so basically I was committing. If I took the school, if I accepted the school and went to training, I would have to commit to another two years in the Coast Guard. And that had nothing to do with him or wanting to stay close to him. I was just, I was ready to get out. So you're talking about military schools. Yeah, What about military A school. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And then what about civilian schools? Uh, well, I did, I went to college uh, about three years. Right, uh, right after? No, right before, right before. Okay. So I was in school. That's one of the reasons I joined up because I was running out of money for school. I was, I didn't want to take loans out. I was trying not to do any of that kind of stuff. And I was working um, restaurant work and a couple other things like that. And I just had to sit down and think about like, well, now what am I going to do? You know, I'm running out of money for college. Do I keep trying to make this work and finish this degree? What am I going to do? And uh, when my friend suggested, you know, joining the military or the Coast Guard, I, I kind of took those pros and cons for that. If I could, if I, where am I going to be in four years if I do? Where am I going to be in four years if I don't? So I figured, hey, it's a paycheck for four years, plus medical, plus this, maybe some excitement, maybe some training and some other skills. Let's go for it. What the heck? It's only four years. And, and <laughs> what was it that you were going to school for? I was actually at the time wanting to be a teacher. Okay. And no offense to all the parents out there, like I'm a parent, I love my kids. I love kids, period. I'm just not always a big fan of their parents. <laughs> so yeah, I decided not to be a teacher. <laughs> okay. So now I'm gonna yeah. go back. Okay. I'm gonna go back a little bit because you yep. talked about growing up in East County. East County, yeah. Lakeside girl. So, so tell us about growing up in East County and we know you now as an, or, as an outdoorsy girl. Yes. Were you an outdoorsy girl? I was. Then? Did you I play was. Sports? Well, my family was. My family was. Well, I can tell you, I I was born in National City, so Nasty my Nasta City. That's right, <laughs> National City. My dad was uh, down to Chula Vista, so we had you know that's where we lived. I think they started off in North Park, and then they were in El Cajon, and then they ended up in National City. And all four of the older kids were born there before we moved. And he decided that he didn't want us to go to the schools down there. He wanted to move us out a little, you know out further something a little different something more a little suburb and uh so i remember there's all the freeways that are here now were not here before so that 54 wasn't there the 125 wasn't there the 52 wasn't there definitely not 
all the way out to Lakeside like that. Yeah. And I had never seen a freeway end before. I was five years old, and I remember driving, and it felt like forever. We're in our like, <laughs> old van. We called it the Border Patrol van because it was that green <laughs> color, and it had a white air van on top. I should have brought a picture of it for you. It had a white air van on top. All of my friends called it the, the uh, Border Patrol van. That's funny. It was hilarious. But I remember driving and stopping at the stoplight at 67 in Maple View, and I turned to my dad and said, Dad, are we, are we still in California? <laughs> <laughs> so he had moved us out to Lakeside. And when, you know, just like Santee and these other places, there was dirt lots and fields everywhere. There was It was not all built up. They didn't have all these apartments and housing, you know, suburb things and everything else. And my dad had that great, great firefighter schedule. And back then he had... However they had structured it then, he had four days off in a row and then six days off in a row. And then he did his shifts. And before, sorry, before everyone got into school, we all started school, he just took us camping all the time up to the local mountains. We spent a lot of time in the Cuyamaca, in the Cuyamacas. And um, or we'd go camping at the beach. He was a surfer. You know, he liked the ocean and stuff. And we spent a lot of time at the beach. It was nice. So that's how it started. Do you have a a favorite beach side or or campsite that you guys would have gone to? He, he, we went to, uh, like, Carlsbad and San Alejo a lot. Yeah. I know those, the state campgrounds. He was a big state campground guy. Were they, I'm assuming they maybe not as hard to get back then oh, as they are now? Oh, definitely not as hard <laughs> yeah. to get. <laughs> None of them were as hard to get, and they were half the price, you know. It was like 10 bucks, 15 bucks, maybe, you know. I remember even when I first started camping and paying attention to prices when, you know, 30 years ago, they were only $18 a site. So I guess they have, you know. I don't mind thirty dollars a site ain't bad. It's not bad. But so camping's always been a part oh, of yeah. your life. Yeah. Hiking, camping. I remember going um, and being up at like Green Valley and Pasta Picacho. Those were the two uh, campgrounds we frequented a lot, especially Pasta for Picacho. our starter for our starter trips. So we would go up Stonewall Peak a lot, a lot. I mean, my brother and I are only eleven months apart and super close, or we were super close growing up. So we would take off at the you know we'd run up that thing as fast as we could and then we'd all wait at the top and whatnot and do our thing and have a snack or whatever and then we would just say okay we'll meet you at the campsite and we would tear down that thing we went off trail we cut through all the switchbacks but we did it anyway you know we try to stay on trail now it's not as bad sounds like you had fun yeah. growing up sounds oh it's like totally it's like a cool time have you guys ever camped at green valley falls i haven't i've i've been to uh paso picacho that was the first campground i ever went to here in california green valley might be a fun trip uh, if we do it early, early summer, Green Valley Falls. Green Valley. It's all in the Cuyamaca State Park uh, one. So it's just down from Paso Picacho towards the 8, a little closer to the 8, but it's still right there in that area. Okay. But the creek that runs through it gets gets flowing pretty good oh, in nice, the late nice. spring. And then they have a waterfall with a pool. So you can slide down. Ooh. We used to slide down the little waterfall into the pool. So that would be a fun trip for us. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make sure because we're about to do our, our <laughs> event schedule for the next year. So I'm going to make sure to ask you for some of yeah. those. Yeah. Yeah. And then at Paso Picacho, it's nice, too. Uh, both of those campgrounds, if we, want, if we ever do any of those, they have all the trails all the way around and up to the, up to the point, at Cuyamaca Point. It's a, it's, there's a lot of trails there. It's kind of nice. A lot of day trails, day, okay. day hacking. It's fun. Right on. It's a good time. It's a good time. So you, you went in. You did your time in the Coast Guard. Yeah. Seems like you had fun. Why, uh, why didn't you continue going to school when, uh, once you had gotten out? Well, you know how babies are made? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> Here's where you start having fun in life. Uh, yeah, we ended up um, having a kid right right away. Mm-hmm. I got pregnant on the honeymoon, and we kind of knew that was a possibility, and we were both ready for that, and uh, that just changed things. And then, So when I got out of the Coast Guard, 
within like nine months we got married then i got pregnant and that that was january that summer he transferred to connecticut so we moved across country to connecticut and then i had the kid my oldest in uh, september and um the kid, the like kid. <laughs> he's my he's the only boy i got he's my oldest but um you know and i was working pretty much full-time actually um so it was just kind of one of those things where school was just not on the list at the moment. Mm. You know, I was in a different state. I was out of residence. You know, when, especially when I first got there, what are we going to do? What am I going to do? Just Besides raising a kid. Yeah. yeah, different priorities. And then I uh, had another one, moved back across country to the San Francisco area, had another one right back to back after her. That's Christina. You guys have met Christina. And uh, by the time I was ready to go back to school, um, back in the day, they only let you use your GI Bill for 10 years. Now, I think they've changed that. They extended it, I believe, yeah. They've extended that, but I still fall under all that old stuff, so my I wasn't able to use that. Mm. So I didn't go to school for that at that time. But you did go back to school. I ended up going back to school eventually. Uh, after my husband and I split, my ex-husband and I, I actually went through phlebotomist school. And I did that last year and clinicals and got certified and everything else. Nice. So, Congratulations. Yeah. Thank you. And uh, will you I be starting like that it. soon, or are you? Uh, God willing, I actually just found out that the lab I want to work at has an open position. Nice. It's oh, not like oh, a full time yeah. position; it's a floating position between them. But it's the hospital system that I want to work in, and that lab is the actual lab I want to work in with those and people. And this this area around here, or? Carmel Valley. Okay. So, but the other, the the one that I'd be floating back and forth from is Santee in Carmel Valley. So okay. Santee is is actually where our doctor's office is. So, okay. Yeah. That's kind of yeah. nice. Yeah, we'll just we'll see how it goes. Quick, uh, quick shout out to your kids, by yeah. the way. I don't want to like mention names. This is, you know, your yeah, yeah, no, that's fine. Them, it's okay. But, you can mention all of them. Um, <laughs> but no, no, they they're always awesome at volunteering. Yeah. They've always raised their hand. They always down to yeah. uh, to help out with three MR and other events. So yes. shout out to raising good kids. Christina is definitely on board for three MR this year. She's already uh, trying to recruit a couple of her friends to help out. A couple of the girls, I don't know what their schedule is, and Judy will be joining us this year, the fourteen-year-old. Okay. So she's excited. Hell yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and J- so, JC might show up. It just depends on his the, work Is schedule. Judy the one that you call Bug? Or Judy or Bug. Judy, Judy Bug, Bug. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, remember, I can tell you that story about Judy. This is great. Judy, Judy is my animal lover. Um, she's, I, when she was born, I had um, a good space between the kids, uh, especially after having the two other two girls so close together. And I just did things completely different with her. It didn't make any rhyme or reason to anyone else. I slept on the couch so I could sleep with her, and my ex-husband could actually get sleep so he could go to work and stuff like that. I carried her around in a sling all the time. My mom was very old school. She was always like, why are you carrying that kid around all the time? I'm like, whatever, I'm happy. I'm getting sleep. I don't care what you're saying. Whatever, I'm doing this. So Judy and I just seemed really close. She was really close to her sisters, too. And so I don't want to call her a sensitive kid because she's not. I think you've met her. A couple of times she is wickedly sarcastic she has a very dry sense of humor and twisted sense of humor she's a hilarious child but she is very set in her ways and she is an animal lover when we talked about hunting and stuff like this she's like no I'm never hunting I don't I don't like guns blah 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 blah, blah. like just would go off I'm like okay Peter calm down you know <laughs> <laughs> so when TVA did their shooting thing in the spring mm-hmm. i told all the kids i'm like come on you're all coming with me you know the pheasant hunt you're talking about the, not the pheasant hunt when we went oh, up the, to uh, the camping um, clay warner spring yeah the clay shooting yeah, yeah, the yeah. Warner Springs. Oh, okay. and i said come on you guys are all going to come with me even if we just go up for the day you guys can all like you know I, two of the kids that are, had shot before and two of the kids hadn't 
Noelani Nugget had decided to stay home. She had something going on uh, with work and stuff, but I got Judy to come. So the first thing we did when we get there is you guys were shooting clays, and she shot the shotgun. She just shot it into the bushes. You know, she's like, whoa, okay, okay, I don't know about that. You could just see the look on her face. I'm like, okay, okay. So then uh, Brady took her and uh, was showing her how to shoot the handgun, and we had that course set up. Mm-hmm. Do you remember that? Yeah, yeah. So they took her up closer to the little metal things, the little metal targets and stuff, and she was doing it. I have pictures. I have a video of her and stuff, too. I don't have a picture of her face, though. That was the most beautiful thing because mm-hmm. she shot that, and her very first shot, she hit the target. So when that, you know, the ping, and she very turned cool. around and looked at me and the smile on her face, and I'm like, that's right, I got you. You're awesome. hooked. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So now she asks me all the time, when can we go again? When can we go again? Super cool. <laughs> exactly. Super cool. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, they're excited about 3MR for the Tomahawks. She was doing the Tomahawks last time. Do you have any any of your kids that are, like, not outdoorsy? That kind of, like, um, put up a fight when you're like, hey, let's go outside, let's go camping? Christina was the only one, actually, and she's the one that's been on most of the stuff. She's kind of the – and I don't like to, like, be stereotypical like that, but she's my girly girl. She's mm. the one that likes the fashion and she, the hair and the makeup and all that stuff. And, and – uh, uh, there's, there's outdoor definitely fashion wasn't. brands. Oh, totally. But, you know, <laughs> Nugget wasn't. And and more so because Christina wanted to, is there a bathroom? Can I flush the toilet? Do they have showers? You know, that kind of thing. <laughs> They're very concerned about that kind of stuff. And uh, my son, he's 23 now, but he was in the Scouts from, from the very beginning at Tigers all the way through uh, his uh, senior year and uh, was a life scout. He is a life scout. And uh, so he went – in his troop in Connecticut, he got lucky enough to hook up with a ridiculously great troop, and they hiked and camped and backpacked. They, like, did the northern part of the Appalachian Trail. They would do all kinds of crazy fun stuff. They did a big Philmont trip uh, to New Mexico and stuff, like a 14-day trip. Went through all the national parks in, in Zion and uh, over in that area, Arches and stuff. And uh, he's definitely outdoors, and I'm segueing them. When we do our desert trip... This is going to be the big, the big trip. The <laughs> December one, or the December one, because yeah. there's nothing out there. Yeah, <laughs> and I've told them right. my story. No, right. <laughs> I've told them my stories when we were out there, and I said, "Okay, you guys are all coming on the desert trip." And uh, uh, her friend from Australia will be here, and she hasn't camped very much and everything. I said, "We're all going. We're going on that desert trip. Where do we go to the bathroom?" And I'm like, "You're going to find out." Which is funny. <laughs> You're going to dig a hole. <laughs> well, it's funny because the last time we went to the desert, and I was telling you about this, I was the only girl that spent the night, that trip that I went. So that was two years ago. And I remember thinking that. And Brady had taken his bouldering. I don't know if either one of you guys were out there. Uh, no, I wasn't. 2017. Was it with the uh, the group of, like, Swedish kids, maybe? I don't think no? so. I think it was just us that time. Okay, probably not then. It was funny because we went, and he's like, we're going to take you bouldering, and we're going to take you through this. And I'm like, oh, I think I'll just wait here because he knows I'm claustrophobic. And he was like, no, I'm going to take care of you. I'm going to take care of you. I'm like, you promise? Because I'll hurt you if you don't. So <laughs> we go with this bouldering thing, and we're you know going through these little tight spots and everything else. And I, I don't know if it was a mountain lion den or a bobcat den, whatever. You know, you could t- you could see all the paw prints and everything else. And he's like, okay, you got this, Jamie. We're going to do this. And I'm like, I don't, I don't know. I think maybe I'll just go this way. Because it was tight. You know, we had to. I literally had to plank my way through this thing. And uh, they have to drug me for MRIs. That's how bad I am in tight spaces. And I couldn't go up this one rock. I was like, well, I'm not going to go back that way. Fine, I'm going to do this. And I made it through that. So that whole trip I was telling the kids how I had to try to find a place to go to the bathroom because all of you guys, all the men, all they had to do was walk right across the little road on the other side of where their cars were, do their business, and it was all great. And I'm like, hmm, okay, I'm just going to walk down the road around the corner, <laughs> find a rock. <laughs> so I was telling the kids about this kind of stuff, and I'm like, no, I got you. We got it all set. So it'll be exciting for them to camp in a spot that has you know just complete nature 
So I wanted to ask a question that it might be a little a little odd or difficult to answer no, if you're pretty sure away it. from it, but being being a single parent and raising kids in the outdoors, um, what what have you learned that has worked or that has benefited you? Because I think it's a great thing. And just like you said, you brought them into Cub Scouts. They were very involved in the mm-hmm. community. What has kind of helped you get them outdoors? Because I know you're a very strong personality, but like, mm-hmm. would they ever argument argue back and be like, "No, I oh, want to yeah. go"? Or, totally. That's how or, Nugget or didn't have going to the shooting thing. in that situation to getting them we, outdoors. We started. I think it was in Connecticut. The second time we were stationed, he was stationed in Connecticut when we were living out there. That um, I just, they were all a little bit older. They were all school age by then. Judy mm-hmm. was already in school too. So it was just, it was a lot easier for me to do things on my own with them. John was at, my ex-husband was at a, uh, that station uh, both the first time and this time where he was gone for about half the year um, for 10 days out of the month. And then when he, even when he was here, they were very busy at their unit. So from like, you know, January to the end of August, he was just kind of not available to do much with us. And I got to the point where I was like, I want to do stuff. I want to go do stuff with these kids. You know, so we, we started exploring the area and just trying to hit up some cool state parks and whatnot and just take walks and hikes. There was a place called, um, I'll have to look that one up. I know by Gillette Castle, they had a nice trail and stuff that we cruised up on and saw the castle and stuff. I think it's called Devil's, Devil's, no, it's not that. It was something. I'll have to look it up. Um, but that had a lot of cool trails on there. So we, uh, we all went together one time, and then I would just take the kids sometimes on my own. And then I just thought, like, we should just go camping. I have all the camping stuff. Why don't we just go camping? So to, the first time I took the kids camping at that age, we went to the KOA, and I actually rented a cabin, and we kind of did it that way, you know, so they got the, they got the feel of it. Uh, you know? A soft introduction. A soft introduction. The kid, my boy Smart. was all over it because obviously, you know, he's, he does all that stuff, you know, so he was taking care of the fire first and all that stuff, and then I was like, okay, now we're going to go down to Rocky Neck, and that was nice for me because it was a beach campground, but like the other campgrounds that I've been to before on the beach, because I used to go up to El Capitan State Beach up uh, north past Santa Barbara, one of my favorite campgrounds, the campground itself is set back off the beach. Uh, in the trees and stuff you know so it feels like you're camping not at the beach and then you know walk down here walk down there and then there's this beautiful beach and everything else so the same that was how this one was and uh, it had a marsh area and this lagoon area and all these trails by and stuff you know but like small trails smaller trails like definitely doable trails i have a hilarious funny story about that too but um i started taking the girls there even inviting a girlfriend of mine and her kids you know we were just like hey i'm going camping this weekend whoever wants to show up (laughs) this is where i'm gonna be so i tried to do a lot that summer with the kids and as we moved uh when we he got stationed back in la so from we took like two weeks or more to drive across country and just hit we like um uh, went to the badlands and custer state park and uh, Mount Rushmore area and all that stuff and just made our way across and uh, tried to do a bunch of that kind of different stuff with the kids. And then when we got out here and after I got hooked up with Triple B especially, I just started thinking, you know, we always have fun sitting around a campfire, the kids and I, whether it was in someone's backyard. We used to have fire pits in our backyard in almost every place that we lived. I was in an apartment at the time and I just started saying, hey, you guys should come with me. Come on, let's go do this, let's go do that. And especially Christina, she used to be so quiet and so reserved and so shy almost and uh not a big talker so she was the one that just didn't seem to have a lot going on and i was like come on why don't you come with me come do this hey you should volunteer for this that's why i got her to do 3mr that year but uh uh now it's just nice that when we go and do stuff like that and just spend that time together whether it's camping overnight or just a hike or even just a bonfire we we love going down and doing bonfires at uh 
at um, Fiesta Island and stuff because you're just kind of unplugging for the most part yeah. and just relaxing and you know it's just nice it's very nice I, it's I an, just, and it's not I got, that hard it's not that hard anymore because I have all the equipment mm -hmm. and the kids know what they're doing and the girls are getting more comfortable so and they don't argue with me <laughs> I mean they're typical kids and stuff like that you know they're gonna say like no I don't want to do that yeah. you know I don't want to do this I don't want to do that Nugget does not want to come and do 3MR you know she's like no so she's, she is a sporty girl. She is definitely into doing stuff like that. She hikes all the time, whether it's just at Mission Trails, which is like literally a, a mile from our house, um, or goes off with her friends and does other things. She's just a little more independent from me. More, you know, she's, she's just in that stage where she's doing her own thing. That's all good. Well, what I was going to say is, yeah. is props to you for being a single parent and finding different things for your kids to do. A lot of parents, I think, uh, and, and every parent is doing the best they can with what they have, with what they yeah. know. But I feel like a lot of activities are, hey, let's go to Chuck E. Cheese or a movie theater <laughs> or here's a new iPad and sit at home. Yeah. Or, hey, we got a subscription service for what XYZ TV thing. So, yeah. uh, again, props to you for being taking the initiative and saying, hey, yeah. let's get out. Let's do something outside with the kids. Well, um, even when we were married, we just never had a lot of extra money mm -hmm. to do all that kind of fancy stuff. We didn't take, we were not the, I am not the Disneyland mom, that's for sure. I am not the, I am not into the amusement park scene. I, I cannot handle yeah, it. The yeah. crowds, everything, you know, usually you're trying to go when it's warmer anyway, so you're dying in the heat, standing in line for 45 minutes is not my thing. Yeah. Um, but I just was never that, you know. The kids go almost every year now with their dad in November to Knott's Berry Farm since we're in Southern California, mm -hmm. and then they have that deal for the veterans, and they love that. And I let them, you know, have that with him. I would take him. I'd take him twice. I don't care, you know. They can go go with me and go with him. But, you know, since they kind of do some of that stuff with him, I let him do that kind of stuff with them, and we just kind of do more low-key stuff. I homeschooled for on and off through uh, most of their education. Not the younger girls, but my sons and uh, Nugget and Christina's. Judy's pretty much been in school the whole time, except for a few years. But I think that had them spending a little more time together than other kids might spend with their siblings. And because we had that schedule to ourselves and weren't, weren't tied to a school schedule, we were able to do more trips and stuff and you know, uh, spend a little more time together as a family. I think that helped. Right. Yeah, that's so, awesome. Yeah, I think that helps. So. Absolutely. Yeah. So the next thing I was going to ask, yeah. uh, and you briefly touched on it when you got here and you started getting involved with triple, uh, TBA, Triple B Adventures, hmm. how how did that happen? How did you first hear about well, the group? Well, what had happened was. <laughs> <laughs> See what had happened. Um, oh, I was shit, in, excuse there me, was. excuse me. I was uh, in a couple of Facebook groups, and uh, I don't know if Brady posted something or whatever i'm sure we commented back and forth a little bit ended up being on each other's friends list he invited me out to a couple camps camp uh camp outs and this was fall of 2016 it would have been i think right 2015 when did you guys all start when was it official uh, i think it was something like 2014 15 they they decided to get together and then shortly after was when they they founded the nonprofit and got the declaration because I, I just I kind of get my years mixed up. But I feel I like it was 2016. That they did that, like March or something like that. So I think it was late 2015. And uh, he I remember there was an early camp campground or camp out. I don't know if it was January or February. And it was in North County somewhere at a lake. And it was raining cats and dogs. And Brady had a live stream going. And <laughs> he was encouraging people to come. You know, I don't, I don't even know who else was there with him at the time. Um, 
But I just remember I was commenting and saying some stuff. And he's like, you should come up here. You should get up here, Jamie. Come on. You should be up here. And I'm like, what do you think I'm insane? Uh, I'm not going to go camping in the rain. That is not my thing with a bunch of strangers. That just sounds like a horror movie. You know what I mean? <laughs> right. Let's go off in the woods in the rain with a bunch of people I don't know. Right. So the next month, they were camping at um, Agua Caliente. So I don't know if that was February or March by then. And he was like, you should come. You should come. You should come. I'm like, okay, fine. I'll come. And, you know, I didn't, I was going to come first thing Saturday morning, so I didn't have to stay for two nights. And I'm really super shy. I know that you guys probably don't think that because I'm a loud mouth and I kind of get things done sometimes and I just do things, but I am ridiculously shy around new people and meeting new people. So it takes me a lot to actually like step off and like, okay, I'm going to go do this. I'm mm-hmm. going to do this. So I got there about four o'clock in the evening, <laughs> in the afternoon. Brady meets me at my car with a horn of something. And he's like, I'm so glad you made it, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, oh, I'm glad I'm here. Okay, fine. He's like, here, drink this. And I'm like, what's in it? He's like, you don't get to ask questions. So I drank it. It was some kind of delicious apple brandy, something or other. I don't know. It was good. And that kind of started the whole weekend. I had just pulled a muscle in my back, um, dog walking, helping a friend out. And I was sore. So by the time we all decided to go up to the hot springs and sit in the indoor hot springs, <laughs> I was my back was hurting, so I found a jet, and I was sitting there. There may have been some noises coming out of my mouth. I'm not really sure because I was really drunk. Some of the people remember this much better than I do. I just remember leaving that, and they said, do you, do you want us to wait for you? I said, no, I'm going to use the restroom really quick and dry off a little bit, and I'll walk back. He's like, are you sure? Because I don't want you to get lost. And I'm like, it's a tiny campground. And I'm thinking, you know, in my inebriated state that, like, I've been camping all my life. What the heck? I can find a stupid, you know, group campground. I walked around that thing three times, like for the turnout for the group campground. It was hilarious. I was getting cold and shivering. You know, it was like I don't even know what time it was. It was hilarious. But I finally found the entrance to the group, the little thing down the, the road down to the group campground, and he was walking up at the same time. He's like, "So I'm like, I told you I'd find it." He's like, "Uh huh." I'm like, "Yeah, yeah, I, I did. I found it." <laughs> uh, yeah, but that's how I got connected, and I just started going to different camps, campgrounds, you know, or, uh, campouts. And other events sometimes, there was a couple, eventually there was a couple of uh, uh, community service projects that I jumped in on and, and um, went to 3MR. One of the, not one of the very first ones, maybe it was the second one, just as a participant. And then I kind of helped that at the next one after that a little bit. And then I, I, that next one might have been the one I, I did with you last year. Mm-hmm. And uh, then I was kind of hooked. And I was just... TBA has, when I got out, it was just really weird. So I didn't, I had great experiences when I was in and not so great experiences when I was in. And uh, the, the first unit I was at, I had no connections with anybody because it was like a really weird setting, the office setting and stuff like that. You know, I think the closest person I was closest to was the Admiral's cook. That was my, my collateral duty. We didn't have anything extra to do, so... We were either the admiral's driver or we or a driver for whoever came into town, or we helped out the admiral's cook when he did his uh, dinner parties and receptions, which actually uh, was a lot of fun. It was my forte. I'd done banquets and restaurant and all that kind of stuff before, so they were happy to have me anyway. And I got to meet a lot of cool people <laughs> that came through there, like dignitaries and, you know, admirals of other uh, countries' militaries and stuff like that. It was actually that was oh, pretty good. Cool. That was a pretty cool gig, and got to eat some ridiculously great food. I can imagine. Yeah. So that was. But that unit was just weird, you know, because it was non-operational. It was just very weird. So by the time I got to the other unit, I had a little bit more of a camaraderie thing. But when I got out and I got married and then moved, I was on the complete opposite side of that. And all the moving around, you know, it's hard to keep those connections going and keep Mm -hmm. that stuff going. 
And then uh, when I left my ex-husband, I just, you know, I had a lot of healing to do personally of my, for myself and whatnot and uh, taking care of the kids and stuff. And I was just kind of lost for a while. So when I, when I started going to these campouts and I started feeling that connection again and that camaraderie again, it actually helped a lot in my healing. And oh, wow. Triple B has literally, Triple B and Brady, a uh, couple times Juan too. I remember, <coughs> I remember that one time Juan yelled at me one time. So that was good. <laughs> a little Sorry. fire under my ass. No, I needed that. Trust me. <laughs> but uh, literally it has saved my life a couple times. That's amazing yeah. to hear. Yeah. This past uh, uh, Memorial Day was one of them. Remember we had the big bonfire down at the beach? Mm-hmm. And uh, I had probably one of the worst weekends I've had since leaving my ex. And, uh, and I just, I use that as a time reference. It doesn't have to do with him personally. It was just that, that last, uh, since early 2015, because my mom had passed away and I was dealing with all kinds of stuff with uh, finishing up all her services, getting her interned finally in Michigan, dealing with her estate and uh, not working at the time. Things were really tight and really stressful. And uh, I was at a really low point and uh, I was lucky that there was an event that day. You know, I, I've called Brady, I've texted him on the phone, I've called him up even in the middle of the night a couple times, like having anxiety attacks. And he's, you know, talking me through him and whatnot. And I was just like, you know what, Jamie, you don't want to go to this thing, just get your ass up throw your kayak in the car and go down to the beach for the day and have a good time. You know, don't talk to anybody if you don't want to talk to anybody, but just be around your people. And I did. And that, that was like a, like a stepping stone, like a lifeline. So, yeah. Hell yeah. I like that. Just be around your people. Just be around my people. You guys are my people. Come on. It's true. It's true. (laughs) So you're, you're taking kind of a leadership position with TBA now. So you're, you're switching roles. You're going from the person that, received some of the campfire therapy not that you know it's not accessible to anybody but right now you're kind of yep. in a position to set other people up to receive it so yes can you talk about a little bit of what you're you're intending to do or what you'd like to do with the ambassador and volunteer program and yes and how you want to well as far as there? the as far as the volunteers go it's just to have it more uh structured and streamlined you know, so we have our base of volunteers that we've people that have done stuff for us in the past, people that are consistent with certain events that we've done in the past that always want to help with those events. And so it's going to be easier for us as a group to pull those people in and not to have to redo everything. You know, thank God you're on board because you're helping a lot with that to streamline that, that aspect of it for us. Um, to not spend as much time and have to redo this stuff every time there's an event, you know, to get people in. And for the ambassador program is to start to pull people from our volunteer group and people that want to be more involved on a deeper level, people that have uh, more of a commitment to that um, and just want to put some more time in that whether they have connections now or will in the future out in the community to be able to spread the word about TBA, to seek out other vets in need that need, uh, you know, that connection and stuff, um, uh, need help with anything, and to represent TBA in a good fashion. So kind of like two tiers, like, you know, volunteers that just want to be there the day of, get get a certificate of appreciation, and people that want to 
exactly. stick around, see what connections they can make, how they can exactly. Grow it. Okay. And I like to see in the future, eventually uh, down the road. I don't know if it'll take a year, or a little bit longer, or whatever. Uh, I know we're starting local here in Southern California, San Diego, and concentrating on that. Uh, but to have our ambassadors be able to start uh, co-leading different things, so that the staff members don't always have to be the ones that show up for events. You know, I'm sure that any campout type thing that we do, one of us is always going to be there as a representative. But when we start branching out to these other events that we do, like uh, like bonfires and kayaking or um, uh, like the hunting or fishing type things, whether we do a charter boat or just go up to the lake and go fishing for the day, that these other ambassadors can help co-lead those and, and take that take those reins from us. That's a great uh, idea. Yeah, yeah. And then eventually, you know, uh, Brady said something about trying to spread all over the country eventually. Yeah, you're that would be kind of nice to have some some representatives in other states to spread the word and, and start getting people outdoors. My things. mom already wants to start one in, in Wisconsin. Nice. There's she's, a lot of stuff to do in Wisconsin. She's got, yeah, uh, she's got the A lot land. of fishing. Yeah. 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 A lot of hunting. Yeah. Very much. I, again, Jamie, thank you for, for doing more than volunteering, for, for starting small and then growing big with us. Uh, and wanting to take this program in, in a direction of your own to benefit the organization. So, fuck, yeah, for volunteering yeah. and being with You're us. You're very welcome. Cheers. When I, when I, cheers. Uh, yeah, cheers. 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 My little red solo cup here. <laughs> <laughs> when I, um, something that helped me with my own healing, something that's always helped me is helping other people. Mm-hmm. And yes. whether that's listening, yes. you know, it takes me out of my own head. It gives me something uh, tangible to do whether even if it's just listening to somebody else you know I could be having the worst day ever and somebody texts me or messages me and said hey you got a minute I have um, a small circle of people that I keep an eye on uh, uh, weekly sometimes even daily and check in with them and see how they're doing and stuff and when I um, moved back to San Diego and was trying to do some stuff like that and it just happened to just be because of Facebook groups and whatnot that um, I started being available to people and listening and, you know, giving advice. Apparently I have decent advice sometimes. I don't always, I'm a very blunt person. So when I give advice, I'm not going to coddle you, you know, I, blunt I, advice is good advice. <laughs> so a lot of times now I try to preface that with like, or do you just need to vent? I'm here to listen, you know, whatever you need, uh, like that. But if you're asking advice, uh, just be forewarned that I'm going to give you the advice I think you need, <laughs> not necessarily what you want to hear. There you go. <laughs> but um, I've tried to be there for her, especially veterans, and uh, but but uh, people across the board, you know, and that it's one of the reasons that it made it easy to get involved with TBA. I, I like that you mentioned yeah. that because I think a lot of veterans uh, are like that. They're just blunt, so it's it's good. Yeah. I, I had to learn the yeah. same thing. Hey, yeah, I I love you. I I think I feel I believe I know what's best for you. And I'm going to tell right. it to you with no fucking sugar because you need to get this message and you right. need to fucking get with it. That's what you did to me that day, though. And it actually worked. <laughs> but it actually worked. <laughs> it's, it's, it's interesting, though, but it's one of those things that, uh, just like you said, you have yeah. to learn. You have to preface yeah. it sometimes. You have to learn that it's not everybody that you can talk to like right. that. It's, it's only those people that you know you share that military camaraderie with that, hey, they've yeah. been yelled at before. And so it's also I'm like a case-by-case case basis. I, I have a couple of people that I, I am available to right now and I talk to sometimes and I check on them. And... Uh, um, they kind of, and we all do when we're stuck in it, you know, we're stuck in our head and we're stuck in our crap and stuff like that. You know, you, you get into that pity party thing, like, oh, I'm just going to give up, not necessarily give up on life, but just give up on this job or give up on trying to make this happen or try, you know, give up on fighting my ex-wife for custody of the kids or whatever the case may be that these people are dealing with. 
And, uh, you know, they have that attitude, and, and I kind of just push it right back on them. I said, mm-hmm. well, you know, you don't have a choice to give up. You, you can't give up. You have kids. You need to be in their lives, you know. So even if you say you're not going to hurt yourself, then let's just go beyond that, and let's talk about, like, okay, so what are you, what are you giving up on then? You're not going to go find income that's closer to them so you can spend more time with them, or you're not going to try to improve yourself. You're not going to try to fight this case or whatever the case may be, you know, so that you uh, – you know, just, just to push them more and be a little more blunt like that. And then there's some people that, that they need that. They need that, you know, cyber hug, so to speak. Yeah. You know? Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I wanted to ask a few, uh, a few rapid fire questions sure. for Go you, ahead. both, both in and out of the service. But before sure. I do those, um, we, we always brief our listeners and give them a little, Hey, what to expect on the podcast. You went above and beyond and took some notes. So is there, anything, is there anything that you wanted to cover beforehand or anything that, that you wanted to mention? Um, I did forget to mention, yeah, what, yeah. What, growing up, one of the things that we did when we were outdoors is uh, my dad's family was here in San Diego. My mom's family was in Michigan. So we every two, three years, we did road trips and to go visit her family. But we always took different routes. So oh, cool. I have seen uh, 48, no, 46 of the 50 states. Oh. And Puerto Rico because I lived there for two years. Um, and I've seen 26 of the 61 national parks. I was like looking through That's my little cool list. list. That was a pretty cool list. What uh, what states <laughs> yeah. do you have left that uh, to visit? Alaska. Okay. So hopefully someday that can happen. That one's, up there. That, well, that one's up there, but that would be an amazing place to visit. And then I haven't been to Louisiana, Mississippi, or Alabama. No offense, people in the South, but just. Where did you, you go to Massachusetts? What the hell did you do? There? I lived in New England twice. Okay. My ex husband was stationed there twice in Connecticut, okay. so we traveled all over New England. Hell yeah. It's kind of nice. That's yeah. pretty cool. That's yeah. pretty cool. Uh, yeah. I'd, I'd love to do the same kind of thing one day when I retire or have the time. Just yeah. That's some of the best memories the kids have too of uh, of their growing up is the couple of road trips that we took across country, and uh, seeing seeing things and you know random stops and yeah, that's pretty any, cool. Any uh, any any other notes that you wanted to put uh, on? Or? Um, or growing up, one of the things um, that is near and dear to me still, and this happened at the last three MR that we did, mm. uh, Warner Springs, not the last one, but the one up at Warner Springs. Yeah. Um, my dad plays guitar, and then both my brothers play guitar now too. And uh, my brother actually has a, a music label here in town and whatnot. And his, the, the people that are signed up under him, the bands that are signed under him, win awards all the time in the San Diego Music Awards. So he cool. kind of knows what he's doing. But um, all three have been amazing uh, you know, musicians. And I remember being young, and my dad used to just pull out the guitar, and he would play. And then my mom would sing. So mm. when we would go camping, they would do that around the campfire. And, you know, I just hear my mom's voice singing and my dad would be playing and whatnot. And then as we got older, we started singing. There was a time when my son was two, so that was 21 years ago. We came out from Connecticut to visit, and we had a big, huge family camp camp out. Like, all the brothers and sisters came with all our kids and stuff, whoever had kids at the time. And we went on this camp out. And my dad and my brothers pulled out their guitars and did the same thing we did. So um, that that is something. When we did it at the 3MR and Brandon came and did music for us that time, yeah, were yeah. you at that one? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was amazing. That was my, that my was first so 3MR, much fun. Yeah. That was just so much fun. Did you did you pick up an instrument? Did you ever try or, or I, sing? I, in or third and fourth like grade, in third and fourth happen? grade, I actually learned how to play acoustic guitar. I have an acoustic guitar that I really don't know what the heck I'm doing with at the time, but I need to pick that up. And Christina actually took a class so she can kind of play it, and Judy took a class so she can kind of play it. Um, but other than that, no. I can sing. I did drama in high school, and some of the stuff we did uh, was having to sing and do musicals and stuff like that. 
And uh, so I have a decent voice, actually. No, I'm not going to go do karaoke with anyone and not sing today. Oh, we were just talking about that. We, we said, I would do karaoke. I, I guess I would. I would go do karaoke with everybody. No, we we, we were saying fun. we wanted to do a, a karaoke episode. That would be fun. Uh, okay, maybe I'd do that. There you go. That would be kind of fun. We'll, uh, we should we'll, do a Christmas karaoke when they do Christmas carols. That'd be hilarious. Yes. <laughs> I'm not a big fan of Christmas maybe music, but I see it. I see it happening. There's some funny ones out there. Maybe a spooky one first. <gasps> well, what kind of spooky songs are there? We I don't do know. That, that's the weird. The monsters one, the Halloween one. Yeah, I don't know about that. Uh, but no, we, we had Nate that had that fun. idea of either putting the call list out there and seeing if the the guests, the audience, uh, wanted to pick songs for us to do. <gasps> oh, that'd be um, cool. Or yeah, if yeah. we were for, were to uh, figure out a theme set of songs and we just sing them out. Um, I was thinking like deployment songs, like songs that I listen to a lot during deployment. But no, yeah, let's karaoke. Yeah, let's do it. that'd be fun. We should all do that one night. Yeah. yeah. All right, so um, if you didn't have anything else that you wanted to mention, I had a few rapid-fire questions. No, not, sure? That I was three. So. That was three pages. Uh, well, I just did the notes on the background for that, and then I did the work thingy, and then I did triple B, so no, Th- This is why I'm happy that you're with us, because yeah. you take that level to say, hey, let me make sure I have my thoughts down on paper. Well, so. I was really nervous to come and do this, nah. so I made sure I said, Nate, what the heck am I supposed to talk about? <laughs> so the, the first question, I've asked this before to some of our guests. Okay. Uh, there's a, a little life saying out there that says that you should have a kid, Write a book, plant a tree, so you can hang your kids if they don't read your book from the tree. Um, I just have hooks in the back closet. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so are you? So the question is this: Then are you going to have your kids uh, hear your podcast episode? I would love to have them hear my podcast episode. Are you going to make them listen to the podcast? Episode? I would say I would really appreciate it if you would listen to this and see how dorky I sounded, and then they'll listen to it. And then you'll hang them if they don't. No. <laughs> <laughs> Christina will probably. Look. I tried to get Christina to come with me. So one of these days, we'll, after 3MR, we'll get Christina to come on. Yeah, yeah. She can talk about it. We should do yeah. a debrief on that. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Uh, next rapid fire question. What was, because you mentioned you visited, it was 46 out of the, the 50 46 states? out of the, yeah. Okay. And how many national, it sounded like half of the national parks. 26 out of 61. Out of 60, so like a third. Wow. That's yeah. a good chunk. Yeah. Um, quick one or two that like stick in your head out of like, wow, this was beautiful. I definitely want to go there again. Oh, geez. All of them? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I can imagine. Like, yeah, if you all saw of them. They're just so, like, different and amazing and open and breathtaking, you know? Was there, so, I guess, uh, I'll narrow it down then. Yeah. Was a particular was there a particular type of camp that you liked? So did you like the desert scene? Would you like wooded areas? Did you like beach campsites? What was kind of like the ones that you liked the most going to? I kind of like the mountains the best. I mean, okay. I'm a beach girl, but I that when we would do those trips and stuff, it was the mountains that I loved. And uh, even not the national park stuff, but all the historic stuff, like going through it by trucking, you see Donner's Pass, and you can go to that little park. They have like a, a rest area there mm-hmm. with the plaque. And like, I love all that kind of stuff. But um, probably um, as a kid, my favorite was up in the Sequoias and Kings Canyon. Every summer we would go to Hume Lake and camp. My dad camped there when he was a kid with his family. We have old super um, eight millimeter film of that, you know, the the silent movies. (laughs) (laughs) We have have those when he was a kid with his mom and dad. And we have those from when we were kids and they would take us. I haven't been yet with my sisters, but my sisters have taken their families there now. But we used to do that every summer. Um, That was one of my favorite ones. And then we would go off and go hiking here and there, you know, and do a day trip here and there around that and see the big trees and whatnot. And then uh, um, Yellowstone, I think I've been through Yellowstone once maybe twice as a kid but that kind of sticks with you that is an amazing and then when you go through Yellowstone you get to the the other kind of the on that same trip that we did that we saw the Grand Tetons too yeah and have you ever driven by the Grand Tetons holy crap 
I mean, they just come out of nowhere, and they are some of the most gorgeous, gorgeous, gorgeous mountains I've ever seen. So Acadia National Park was pretty awesome. I did that with my kids. And uh, when we were living in Connecticut, and we went hiking around there and a couple of different trails and stuff, and the New England coast is amazing. If you've never been to New England, I don't know if you guys have ever been to New England, it is so, so different than the West Coast. Even Northern California and the Pacific Northwest Coast, which I also think is equally as beautiful, but it's just so different. So Arcadia was pretty cool. I've, I've always heard people yeah. mention Arcadia as the, yeah. the big sur of the East. Of the yeah, East Coast. of the it's East. That would make a lot of sense to. to me, unless you're going through mm-hmm. the Smoky Mountains, which was amazing also. So, okay. Yeah. Um, going back to, to the rapid fire, but mm-hmm. now military, uh, what was your favorite piece of gear, equipment, or, or items that you ever worked with? So, like, was there a cutter that you really liked? or? Um, not really, because we didn't, I mean, I worked in the port, so it wasn't, like, anything spectacular that mm. we worked with, you know? Do you still have any, any of your old uniforms? I have nothing. Like, um, no, nothing. No, no cover. I didn't no, think to no keep any of that. Pack. I just, it just wasn't, uh, it was really weird, actually. I don't know if it was because I was married to an active duty guy. Um, uh, for a long time, I just didn't even identify as a vet. You know, I was too busy being a mom and a wife. <laughs> like, I was, this is John's wife, Jamie, not Jamie. Hey, she's a vet, too. You know, every once in a while, depending yeah, on yeah. the circles. But for a long, long time, I just didn't even identify as a vet. Okay. I found some uh, recent pictures. I have my, I have my grotesque boot camp pictures. I found those in a box somewhere. We're going to ask you to share those. Oh, good Lord. (laughs) And then I have a picture that my parents took in the backyard in my Bravo uniform, like the jacket and everything, you know, the fancier uniform that we had back in the day. And uh, I think that's about it. Somewhere I have this, somewhere I have a picture of me on the back of um, an auxiliary boat um, on a harbor patrol going out to Anchorage and stuff like that in uniform. And then I have one of me sleeping in the truck. I actually have that one at home. Because that was on a hazmat case overnight, and I was exhausted in the morning, and I was laying in the truck with my feet out the window, <laughs> catching, <laughs> catching a nap. <laughs> wherever, hey, wherever you find comfort. I mean, exactly. Right. Yeah. No. I don't, we didn't really have, like, there wasn't, uh, there wasn't, like, specific equipment that we had like mm-hmm. that, you know. Or, so. or just, I, I imagine, like, going on and off ships, inspecting that kind of thing, like, you would have seen something. There was some crazy, I mean... The, yeah, the one yeah, thing there that... There was some crazy what? There was some crazy what? Nah, there was just weird, like... Okay, yeah, I probably better not say that. I'll tell you guys about that later. Um, there was one time we were at an anchorage. Not necessarily my favorite thing, but uh, I used to never have a problem going up and down Jacob's Ladders. Okay. And then uh, one time we had to uh, board a freight ship at Anchorage, and the weather turned a little bit while we were on board. We were on board for a couple of hours, so the swells picked up. And this one was out a little further in Anchorage, closer to the breakwater, the break wall and uh, so the swells were a lot bigger when we were getting off and the pilot boat came off and there was other people on there not just us and they were taking us off there was like three or four of us that had been on that boarding and uh, I was the last person off and you know they were timing it whoever was driving the pilot boat was great and then the one guy was helping us to get on the boat and it was you know coming up and going down and coming up and coming down so he'd time it and tell us when to jump so of course <laughs> I, I jump when he tells me to jump I'm not looking he's just, I'm just like I'm gonna jump when he tells me to jump but, you know, waves are unpredictable. <laughs> and so a rogue wave came from a different direction, and the whole pilot boat dropped out from under me oh, and swept wow. away from the freighter. So lucky me, he ended up grabbing the back of my pants and just yanking me onto the deck of the like pilot swinging boat. Like, you back just, yeah. whew, you know, <laughs> just laid out flat. And, or else I would have ended up between the two boats and probably got smashed. Yeah. So that was the one, one of two times that I almost got smashed in the Coast Guard. Whoa. The other time was... Uh, um, 
they were building the port. I think uh, the, I think the Navy base was still there. I don't remember, but they were building. I don't know if it was the LA side or the Long Beach side, but the Maersk was a um, the it's a huge facility now. But they were just building that facility, and they were offloading new container cranes. And there was a vessel there that we had to reboard because the crew had been drunk the day before. But um, they were perpendicular. They were parallel to the dock, obviously pulled up like normal the, the first day that they boarded them. And I went back with the crew the next day to board them again. And the, we had to wait for the small boat station to come over and to get us on because they were perpendicular. They were waiting for high tide. Kind of hard to do on radio, but they had these arms that came out from the front of the ship. And when high tide came, that came up across the dock and raised it up a, higher than the dock. And somehow the container cranes were offloaded and put onto the little tracks Still can't picture exactly how they do that, even all these years later. But we were sitting there, parked directly in front of the perpendicular. So I was looking down the length of the freight ship, going, how the hell are we going to get on this boat? You know, <laughs> we can't get on this boat. So we're waiting for the small boat station to, br to bring a uh, boat over, and we would just go up the Jacob's Ladder and get on. And we see the crane start moving. And we're like, what? Is that crane moving? <laughs> What's going on with that? Because it's all chained down and stuff. It's not supposed to be moving yet. And then we see a guy running down one of the arms trying to hold this thing back. And it starts picking up a little speed. And granted, it's not moving too fast, but, you know, you've seen the size of the container cranes. Once it gets momentum. And it's moving. And we're like, um, we should move the van. And I'm not driving. My friend Sean's not driving. I think Jeremy was driving. I cannot remember his name. And he was frozen, like frozen, frozen. And Sean's, like, yelling at him at this point, move the van, move us, get, move, move, move. Ended up smacking him upside the head. He finally puts it in reverse and starts reversing. And I'm thinking, like, we're not make it we're not gonna make it because this thing is falling at this point so he turns finally and it literally falls in front of us like literally and I cannot even explain or uh, like the noise that this thing made the whole uh that big white weight that's on the top of them that kind of fell down the whole front just crumbled and everything else and uh the guy that was on there one of the arms fell off so the crane itself ended up um cockeyed like you know leaning onto the dock all crunched but one leg uh, of that ship was fallen so that it was like half in the water and half on the ship and half on the, or, or part on the water and part you know so the guy that was trying to hold this you know massive however many ton crane back had fallen in the water and uh sean and i jump out of the car with us we run up to the thing and he's ready just to dive in and I'm like no, no no we don't even know what's in the water there do not dive in the water we don't know if that part of the crane is there we don't know what's in there and yeah. the other people from the facility came and they're like no no we have a bucket we can drop a bucket down there and the guy was treading water so he was conscious and everything else he wasn't floating and we get him up and we start assessing him and Sean took the head and I took his, his lower half and this is one of the most disgusting things I've ever seen. And he's like, yeah, my leg kind of hurts. And I look down and I'm like, okay. And I look and the entire back of his calf was literally sheared off. Like if you were gonna fillet to his bone from his knee to his ankle. And it was just laying, it was just hanging there. And it was it was interesting looking, obviously pretty <laughs> yeah. nasty. I was like, whoa, okay then, <laughs> you know, but not right. in, my, in all my training that I've ever had, you know, you don't, I'm always honest with people. He's like, I'm like, oh, okay, yeah, you're injured. He's like, is it going to hurt? And I'm like, it's going to hurt tomorrow <laughs> for sure. <laughs> and then I was just like, somebody give me something decently clean, please. <laughs> you yeah, know, so yeah. Somebody took off a T-shirt, and I'm like trying to hold his leg on there and stuff. And that. But, yeah, Dang. that was the only other time that anything horrible happened. Crazy. But, uh, that was an intense So maybe that van right? was, was my favorite. Say, yeah. Maybe that van was my piece of favorite piece of equipment. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> wow. 
Um, well, Jamie, thank you for coming on <laughs> the episode. Thank you. Uh, sharing your stories, giving us a little bit of insight into your past because I, I only know you from recently, yep. from, from what we've been doing since we met and started working with TBA. So yep. uh, thanks for giving me and the audience listeners a little bit of insight. Very welcome. Um, reach, then uh, now to the folks in the audience, um, Jamie, like I said, she is the director of our volunteer and ambassador program. So if you want to get involved, if you want to serve under this brave leader, uh, the way to do that is www.tba.vet. Uh, and then there should be a page that says get involved. And right there you can sign up to become a part of the ambassador program and volunteer program. Uh, Jamie will reach out to you. She'll tell you what's up, what you can do, where yes, you I can will. get involved next. Yes, I will. Uh, and she'll take him from there. So, again, Jamie, thank you for being Very on the welcome. episode, taking a leadership position with us. Very welcome. Uh, and surviving the Coast Guard because the <laughs> last two stories, like, you saw some shit. <laughs> I guess it was a little exciting. <laughs> I think it was. I think it was. Um, folks, this is Juan Ortiz with our host, Nate the Great Landshark Kramer. Ow. For the next episode, you might have Jamie as our co-host, so stay tuned for some changes. Uh, Regardless, we'll still see you or hear from you at our next episode, folks. So take it easy and get the buck outside. Cheers. Get the buck out there. Yeah.